0: The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.
1: Okay, I've asked Lori if she would read last week's text, and this is why, because this context is so critical, is king. Like, it's, it's so important that we stay in the context of the passage so we don't misrepresent what's being done. But this is a conversation. This is a crowd that, if you remember last week, we talked about greed and covetousness, and Jesus said, be on your guard against all forms of greed, for man's life does not consist in the abundance of his wealth. That's not where life is found. Um, or security, uh, those things. So I've asked Lori to read that as a reminder from last week, 13 to 21. And then this week's, uh, our endeavors to look at a passage where Jesus addresses the issue of anxiety and worry. Is that a problem? Is that, is that an issue in our culture at all, uh, in our lives? And, uh, and, and these tie together very critically. And so would you follow along in your Bibles uh, this morning as Lori reads for us, 13 to 21?
0: Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, "You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself?" This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God.
1: Thank you, Lori. Isn't that challenging, guys? I don't know if I, I hope that these passages aren't something that we just. Um, that we just look at on Sunday morning and, and teach through and then we walk out the door and we fail to, to find ways to ask God for wisdom to apply these things to our life because they're so practical. And this this week as we go into the next part of this, this scenario in the life and ministry of Jesus, Jesus now turns to his disciples and after giving them uh, an illustration and telling them to be careful about uh, greed, stay uh, be alert on guard against these things he uh, he 's uh, transitioning from a, a a parable about a guy who um, was really anxious about his much right his future, his sense of security to those that might be uh, anxious about the little he 's talking to his disciples now they 've been invited right into this journey with Jesus, and this journey um, doesn't have a home, right? It doesn't have a lot of um, uh, comforts, creature comforts, right? And and so, you know, they've they've left a lot in order to follow Jesus here. And uh, and Jesus is telling like, look, don't don't worry about these things that we have a tendency to worry about. Let me ask, does does the world worry about food and fashion? Is that, is that a topic that, that ever hits our, our pop culture? And Jesus is saying, don't seek after these things. The antidote is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And so... In a parallel passage, it's another moment where Jesus teaches uh, with the similar content, but in a different segment of his ministry and life. Jesus says, tomorrow has enough troubles of its own, right? And just today, let's let's stay here instead of borrowing all of the... And, you know, you have probably heard this as well. You know, as I prepared for this message, I was looking at a lot of the... You know, the stuff that's out there on worry and anxiety and those type of things. And, and really, um, everybody's made the same conclusion. It has no benefit. Don't do it. Right? But it's, it's a response that then becomes our reaction. And then we, we find ourselves in a state where we're, we've, we've lost our strength, our joy. Um, we're, 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 we're overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed. Does does worry have those implications? And so I I wanted to read our passage this morning as we continue in this text, as Jesus shifts his focus to his disciples now and and beckons them to a different posture, a posture of trusting God, of seeking rather than the world and its its trappings like seeking his heart, his kingdom. And... uh, And then he gets back to this issue of of worldly wealth and gives us some practical ways to put it into use based on how God has intended. And so follow with me. We're in verse 22 of Luke 12, and I'll read through verse 34. And he, Jesus, said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They, they have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of, And this is so important. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you, sell your possessions and give to the needy, provide yourselves with bags that do not grow old or wear out, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Practical, right? Uh, I mean, have have you worried today? Have you faced the potential for anxiety today? Like it it's constantly knocking at our door, beckoning us to doubt God's provision, God's faithfulness, his awareness, his presence and power, his promises. And what is the antidote to to worry, to anxiety? It seems to be the antidote to almost everything. Trust God. Trust God. Well, let me, let me unpack some things that might be a bit of a surprise. Uh, looked at the, the two words of worry and anxiety. Went back to their root. And uh, I think a lot of times throughout history, what happens is words lose their semantical um, definition. Right? And we, and we forget, um, we, through, through application, we miss the mark on that. And it's interesting to me, the word an- anxious means to be torn apart. Where do you think that happens? In our hearts and minds. That anxiety is to be torn apart. I, I think worry is, is also interesting. It comes from the word that means to strangle. Now, just unpack that for just a moment. Isn't that exactly what worry does? It strangles our strength, our joy, our, our promise, our potential, our, our view of God's Faithfulness and provision? It clouds our our, uh, our perception of look at the look look at how consider the lily, consider the, the birds. God takes care of them. Aren't we more precious than these? I like what Corey Ten Boom said, and I put it on the screen for your benefit. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. Is that true? It empties today of its strength. Is that true? I, I found that to be true in my life. That, uh, and, and is worry a choice? Is it a decision? Well, when you really think that through, like we can have an initial reaction, but then do we, do we run with that? Or do we cast our cares on him for he cares for us? We're told in Philippians, and this topic is, comes up often, Matthew 6, 25, Jesus says, do not worry, right? But in, in Philippians 4, verse 6, Paul the holy spirit tells us and says this be anxious for for what nothing nothing and in everything do what pray with a thankful heart right and the promise is this that if we if we turn that moment of anxiety and we choose in every every time to turn our hearts in prayer with a thankful and grateful perspective on God's promises and faithfulness, that the promise is that there's a peace that comes that makes no sense. It is counter nature, counter culture. It it just passes all understanding. And then, what does it do? It guards our hearts and our minds. Have you experienced that peace? Every saint that I've ever talked to that is, Put it in God's hands. Trusted Him. Rested in Him. In the midst of the of the of the chaos, um, has a testimony where it's like, I remember Jimbo when he was going through his final bout with cancer, like before his glorious promotion. Like he said, you know, I'm I, I find myself being a little anxious. I'm not anxious about my circle, you know, and, and but that's that's the I mean, are the promises of God faithful? And can we can we trust him in the moments of life? Because what is worry? Um, boy, I'm gonna. I want to. I, I want to dive into this. Worry deceives us. And I. This was my thought after reading this passage. And I think it. Listen. Listen. What I'm saying here. Worry deceives us into thinking that we have, and need. What we have and need is most important and sustains our life. This is what Jesus is confronting as a, as a social like ill. Um, like we, we start to worry about things that really aren't the essence of life. Where, where is, where's the source of life? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He, he is life himself. So a few questions for us as we process this text. Do you worry? Why? And and just for a moment, I'd like some just brief, concise feedback. Do you worry? Why? So why do you worry? Right? Like, right? We're concerned about those that we love and care for, right? Uh, Some of the the worry is based in fear, right? Was there any worry at the outset of COVID? Was there any worry uh, after 9-11? Right, churches were packed for three months, and then back to, right? Like, um, but does does worry have its origin in in, thi- in in having this mentality that I can't control this, I can't fix this? What else? Why do you worry? I want you to think about this. Why do we worry? Because our nature is prone to it? Yeah, but why? Why do we do so? I mean, okay, let me ask you a question. Do, do you think, is worry, is worry beneficial? Everybody says that. I mean, when I, when, I, when I started Googling, like looking researching this week, the same chart kept coming up. Like, do you have a problem? And it says yes or no. But basically the chart just leads to this. Don't worry. It doesn't matter. It doesn't help, right? We're, we're told that 90% of what we worry about never comes to fruition, Right. Right and and what does it do? It zaps us. It strangles us, and it takes the joy of the Lord to be that's our strength. I mean, it steals our life. It paralyzes us. Most of us, uh, you know. Here's just a, a a question. We know the antidote is to trust God, but and to pray and to and to put our petition before Him with a thankful heart. But, but like when you worry, what is your, what is your disposition? What is your conditional response? That's what you're doing, right? In that moment. And then sometimes we can wander down that road of disbelief. And, and that leads to disobedience, right? What else? Some people isolate. They're just gonna hide. Some people you know, find ways to try to just ignore it, whether that's drugs, alcohol, like, you know, I'm just gonna turn this off, I, I'm overwhelmed. So uh, some, some isolate, some run to media. Um, where should we run? Where should we hide? Where, where, where should we look to and not lean on our own understanding, not walk in disbelief? It, guys, I love the song set this morning. Like, is he able? Is he willing? Does he love you? Is he mighty? Does he see it? Does he see you, your heart, and your circumstance intimately? Does he know it better? than? Does he have an answer before you have a problem? Like, it, we're told that our faith overcomes the world. Right? So, does doubt play a role in worry and anxiety? Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you ever thought of the fact that when we worry, it is, we're not trusting, God. We're, we're doubting God, His goodness, His grace, His promises, His, some aspect of who He is? Would trusting God's heart and promises make a difference? Right? We know that. And this is what the heart of Jesus is beckoning us to. Right to to trust him. Not look, if you love those who love you, you know what benefit is that to you? Don't don't the sinners and tax they do that right? Like and what I mean by that is like, look, if we if we trust God when it's easy, what does it say about the depth and the strength and the of our faith but, but but what about when it's when it's tough and then here's the good news like he says this is what the world does like in in the Matthew text he says that like the gentiles do like the world worries right and then they have their approach but but like we're beckoned we're we we we're we're given our heavenly father to entrust our needs and concerns to and rest in so, worry can be an indicator of our, of our lack of faith, but that doesn't have to be our motivator. It can, it can actually motivate us quite differently to say, okay, here's where I get to trust you, Lord. Guys, I, I'll tell you this morning. So, I get up early on Sundays, and, and uh, I, I had like six or eight occasions this morning where I'm like, nope, I trust you, Lord. I mean, just worry knocking at your door, anxiety knocking at your door, you know what I mean? Like, it's there, it, does, it, does it do it often? Right? And, and so we, we walk by faith and not by sight, right? In those things. Would seeking his kingdom versus ours change things? Is that part of what he's saying here? Is that part of our worry? Is that we're so wrapped up in our world rather than his kingdom? If he takes care of, the cre- the, of creation, won't he take care of you? That's part of what Jesus is. And you know, I, I love Jesus' teaching. I, I wish, you know, I, 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 do you do this? I like, I, I like impress my perception of his inflection upon the text. Do you, you ever do that? I'm like, Jesus was smiling here. Or Jesus was like emphatic. Like, but here he's like, don't you know my daddy? Don't you know our father? Oh little flock, don't you know how much he loves you? That he's super aware of all of these things and he's got things in place. Do you do you believe that when we choose and I use that intentional when we choose an anxious state, a worried posture, that 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 we are we are we 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 literally th- th- does all that anxiety kind of blind us to the potential of God's power and presence and, and provision in our life? It does. And, and here's what I was getting at before and missed the moment, but here it is. It destroys our witness. I, I remember hearing a guy, very critical of the church, um, say at the outset of COVID, like to, to a set of Christians, he said, I thought you guys trusted God because of their response. Now look, I'm not saying, in retrospect, we have a lot of clarity, like there needs to be love demonstrated through that, that moment. And there's tons of opportunity for fear there, but, but what, what does it look like to trust God in the face of fear? We don't have to save our life, right? He's, he's already saved it. How does that change the way that we live so that we live culturally different to a degree that challenges the world? It might upset them. I'm guaranteeing it will. It, Jesus experienced that. But, but my point is this. When we walk a faith-filled life, does it not quench the moments of worry and anxiety to a degree that demonstrates our faith to the world? And is that not a significant witness? And, and ideally, it's done in such a way that it's just your natural like, no, I trust God. You know, Jerry gave me this, and I can't tell you how many times, in one week, this has been a reminder, this has been a ministry moment, uh, but it says, it's just a band, it just says, God's got this. God's got this. D- so let me ask you, does God got this? Is, does God got you? Has he got the whole world in his hands? Is he, is he able, capable, is he good? Is he kind, is he faithful? God's got this. So, do we often worry when we are out of control? Could that be a cause? Like, us feeling, you know, I think the Christian life is about knowing that God is in control. I don't have to be in control. It's exhausting, isn't it? And doesn't it create such great worry because, look, you're not equipped for it. You're, please hear this this morning. You're not equipped to be in control of your life. And especially anybody else's we 're not equipped for it, but God is, and when we when we radically depend on him it it, it 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 demonstrates that to others it encourages others into his care into his lordship. Have you yielded control to the one who is in control have you, have you surrendered you know I think sanctification, which is Basically, us being further saved to what God has already saved us to. Like uh, I know that's, but like, what isn't there a daily dying, a daily surrender? Isn't there a greater understanding of His promises and His goodness, and and what He and what He's invited us into that just calls us to a a, a, a deeper rest and joy? Are you with me? Right? Like, that, he's inviting us into his care, his presence, his power, his goodness, his love, his rest, his peace. Like, and, and when we don't, when we resist the joy of that, the, 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 the invite, we, we miss out on so much. That's where the abundant life is. And a lot of time, you know what gets in the way of abundant life? Is doubt, Fear. So the text begins with this. It says, and he said to his disciple, he being Jesus, said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Like if God says don't do something, I think that might fall in the command category. I don't know. I don't think it's a suggestion, so I'll just stick with that. So like, um, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body and what you will put on, for life is more important than food and the body is more important than clothes. Do we tend to major on the minors? We were talking in class this morning. We always cover the text in Bible study uh, and, the, and really kind of dig at it a little bit in preparation for, for the sermon. And, and uh, it, it, what I mean by major in the minors is that can the things that we start to get microscopic about uh, and worry and, and, uh, and be anxious about, do they, do they grow in their perception in our own minds and hearts? Do, can we make mountains out of molehills and anxiety is the catalyst? hello? Like, isn't that true of all of us? Like, you've had someone come to you and they're like, like, take a three-year-old. I'll just be very, very, like, exaggerating here. Like, Like, I mean, I remember doing student ministry, like, teenagers, like, freaking out over stuff and you're like, It's a chocolate bar. (laughs) You know, like I I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, but like, we're we're no different as adults. We can get, we can, we can work something into a frenzy, let anxiety have its way, and then it's just, it's giant. It's huge. And and what what's happening is like like if we put that focus on him, we, we put him in his proper place. He's huge. He's glorious, he's magnificent. Is there anything in your life bigger than he is? Nothing. But what anxiety and worry does is it makes it bigger. And then it just starts to consume. Right And, uh, and, and that's, the, that's what Jesus is calling us to overcome here by faith and seeking his kingdom first and being reminded how precious you are to God and that he's taking care of you. He's already done it providentially in his foreknowledge, right? So like, another question. Do we care about food and clothing too much? I think so. And I'm not just talking cultural ills and the world, I'm talking like like us like me like do we care too much about that is, is that what life is all about absolutely not can you trust god for what you need do you believe this morning that he knows that and that he loves you enough to like if he's if it's his pleasure to give you the kingdom like we 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 read this right like we've already done this in the text but like you know though you were evil earthly fathers you know how to give good gifts to your kids how much more does my heavenly father want to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit and that's a statement of the kingdom like it's saying the same thing he wants to give you his heart his everything right but but he oh man it's so good and so can people get wrapped up in fashion and food and we got to be careful, because here, here's something that we're prone to. We're, we're, plo- we're prone to self-blindness. We don't see our own pride. We don't see our own arrogance. We don't see our own shortcomings. That's why we need accountability. We need to welcome others that are close and intimate. That the wounds of a friend, you know, as, as one man sharpens another, friction sharpens another. You know, we need intimate relationships that have permission to speak into our, our blindness. Because he's saying that we can get wrapped up in this stuff. Verse 24, consider the ravens. They neither sow, sow or reap, so they neither plant or harvest. They have neither storehouses nor barns, and yet God feeds them. Well, how much more valuable are you than the birds? So does worry blind us to God's care of creation? That, that, that was just a thought as you look at that text. Like, like, Like worry gets us so... Like self-focused, right? Like that we 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 don't even we're not even reminded. (laughs) God's got this, right? I mean, like He takes care of birds, and like He's got this whole worked out. Like, and and aren't you more treasured, more precious, more valued than these? Jesus is saying He takes care of them, doesn't He? Does the raven still work for its food? So here's, like, what it's not saying. Well, you could just chill out. God will just bring it. To, you know what I mean? Like, the, 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 the raven, the squirrel, whatever, they still, but God's put it all in them. Like, it's in their DNA. Like, it's crazy. Like, squirrels do what they do. They, they I, I, we, were, we read up on something. It was like 90% of what a squirrel uh, buries, he never, like, it's only 10%, you know, that he gets, you know, no wonder they're crazy digging and burying stuff. You know what I mean? But like like who put all that in the bird? And in the right? And then who gave them all the aspects of like God's taking care of them? And you are more treasured. He, he didn't send his son for the bird, right? Like wow. Like have you ever thought like God loves you? Like and and then the other thought is does God value us over the animals? Man, Look, I love creation. I love animals. Love, love, love animals. But, and our world has really gotten this mixed up. Right? We can start loving things and and even animals, like, are animals more precious to God than people? The text just, so like, I mean, they're way more easier to love. They're more unconditional and they're, I mean, yes, right? Like, people are hard to love, right? But like, but man, like we have to remember there's a higher precedence and priority and a statement of value that's been put upon humanity because the cross declares it. And then Jesus reinforces it here. And so, should we not share God's value system? And that's not to say that we have not been given dominion over the earth to care. We should be setting the bar. On, on, on God's rule over creation and his care. And we should be, absolutely. But there's precedence, right? People are the treasure, right? God's our treasure, but you know what I'm saying? Verse 25 and 26 says, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do a small, uh, as small a thing as that, Why are you anxious about the rest? So does being anxious accomplish anything? Does, it makes me sick. Does being anxious diminish our potential? Right? Can, Can I just, I mean, like, I think the simple thing this morning is don't do it. Right? And isn't that exactly what Jesus said? Do not worry. Right? And did that come from a heart of love? Does he care about you? I mean, these, these things that he doesn't want you to do, why does he say that? Because he's seeking to protect you. Don't worry. God's got this, right? Jesus says, being anxious doesn't add to your life, so why do it? So why do it? That's what he's saying. It doesn't add eh, a minute to your life. If anything, it, right? it sucks it away. So I want to say that worry is a form of meditation. Is that true? Because we ruminate on it. We, we, it's a form of meditation. And I think it's interesting, as I've quoted this verse earlier, I'm going to read it for us from Philippians 4, 6 through 8, because if we, if we understand that worry is a form of meditation, like an unhealthy, destructive form of meditation, then we understand like the principle that's in this, this passage that the Holy Spirit has given us. So Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, Do not be anxious about do not be anxious about but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, right? That, and this is in the context, please understand, this is in the context of an anxious circumstance. That, that what we're being called to, and boy, this is huge. I can't tell you how, much time, how many times this comes up in, in counseling concepts. Is that, you know what the antidote is to, to anxiety and doubt, that, that context? A thankful heart. And you you know what we ultimately are thankful for? Him and all that he's promised us in his faithfulness. Um, Thankful, let your requests be made known to God. Pray, in everything pray, be anxious for nothing. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's where worry and anxiety finds its soil right? And so our hearts are guarded, our minds are guarded from anxiety and worry when we choose to, to go to the Lord in prayer with a thankful heart. But then I think this is very interesting because the very next thing he says is whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things, right? So like what he's saying here is let your meditation be uh, filtered by these criteria, but, but let, them, let them categorize our thoughts. Because most of the things that we worry and are anxious about would be not in these categories, right? He says, my brothers, whatever's true, what's true in this moment? Jesus is truth, right? Like what's true in this moment uh, as, I, as I'm beckoned to anxiety and worry He says, my brother's findings, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And I I, I believe that that's, 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 that's antidote, right? Let's, I mean, does stinking thinking get us into dark places, right? Like the battle's won between the ears, right? It's the battle for the mind. As a man thinks, so he is. He keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Like we're told this over and over again, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Like, so like this is this is this is our thought. This is the thought life of the saint. Whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Excuse the NIV. But think about such things. Verse 27-28 continues. It says, consider the lilies. Guys, should we take time to sit and and kind of Wonder in the midst of creation. I Take in and, and allow, like consider the ant, as Solomon said, or consider the lilies or the ravens or the sparrow or whatever. Like those, those things point back to its creator. And so, consider the lilies, Jesus said, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. In other words, they're not, they're not responsible for their own beauty. They didn't do anything to earn it or develop that beauty. God... God, I can't wait to get to this little point on this. I, I love it. But, but like, they didn't, you know, they didn't have a turtle spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed lilies being the clothing of the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow thrown in the oven and there's a whole geological thing like that, in, in, in that territory in Palestine, like the grass would just have this certain wind that would come through and just burn it up but like they didn't have sprinklers irrigation all that how much more will he clothe you oh you of little faith like if god like had thought and intention about putting you, you ever seen lilies you ever been like to the northwest and seen these lily fields like it's just Gorgeous. And God, God intended Jesus, like we're getting first hand information from the, the the one that creation was made through, right? Like he like he clothed the grass with lilies. Like, wow, how beautiful. This was God's intention. Beautiful, right? Like, I, I can't wait. I have to jump to this point. Like, guys, like sometimes do we trust God for his fashion sense? Like I th- and what I mean by that is sometimes we go like, do you trust that God is a good gift giver? Do you do you believe that, man? It, but if I trust God, like uh, I might not want that. I, you know that might not be what I was thinking looks good. You know, like you know what I'm saying? Like God, God, God is beautiful. We sang it this morning. He is, he is beauty. Like his, his d- definition for everything is perfect. And can you trust God to to clothe you? And not just to clothe you, but t- to to take care of from a perspective that is truly beautiful. Look at creation. Like, we can't come up with names for colors that... You ever seen a peacock? We have, like, hundreds in our neighborhood, right? And they got things on their head look like crown. I mean, like, wow! God did all of that. Or there was this huge explosion and all of this intricacy and beauty just... No. Okay, so, like, I mean, come on. Like, Jesus is saying, like... God God clothed grass that is so fickle like uh, more than the mist of our life can't he take care of you? like wow Jesus identifies the problem little faith there it is Jesus is declaring that the father's faithful, faithful care takes faithful care of his kids here Jesus addresses God's quality to our provision too like I, I think that Jesus intends that Right? Like he look what he did for the grass. It's grass, people. Wow. Do you trust our Heavenly Father and his care and taste? Because I think sometimes we want what we want the way we want it. And do but do you trust God that His way is like way better? Like it's so good. And that maybe our perceptions and our preferences are, are skewed. Could that be? Maybe? Yep. Um, worry ruins our lives and health. Is that true? Yeah. Okay, so I read tons of stuff on this. I'm just going to give you a, ver- ver- a broad range. 67 to 82% of, of the ills of our, f- of our health can be rate l- ulcers, stroke, uh, can be related to anxiety and worry must less mental health verses 29 and 30 and do not seek what you are to eat or what you are as you think about lunch uh, as, and what you are to drink nor be worried for all the nations of the world in other words the Gentiles seek after these things and here's what the, the, Jesus wants you to know in contrast to that is your, don't you love that? I mean he got labeled as a as a as a blasphemer for these for this type of statement he said and your father knows that you need them you know they, they they were so offended that he called god his father but how often does he say your father to his disciples right and he's saying your father knows that you need them do you know that this morning that god knows you, the very fine points, details. He's just finished saying in the previous passage, the number of hairs on your head. That's, that's fantastic. So worry has the appearance of the unsaved world. That's part of what he's saying here. As this is what the world of Gentiles do. So like, like, do you want to be like the world? Is there any witness in that? I think there's a terrible witness in that. When we demonstrate the same reactions that the world has to circumstances. And doesn't, you know, our awareness of the sovereignty of God and the care of God and the promises of God, doesn't that change, shouldn't that change the way that we face fears? Like Jesus looks at the boys when they wake him up in the stern of the boat, right? This is what they say to him. Don't you care that we live or die? Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care, God? Right? And, uh, And Jesus looks at them and the very first thing he says is, why are you afraid? Well, that seems like you know, I, I know I mentioned this a lot, but like what he's saying is, why are you afraid? I'm right here. I'm, I'm right here. What do you, do you know that Jesus is in your boat? Like the Holy Spirit indwells you? Like God's with us? Like I'm talking to me too, as John always says. Like, I, I mean, seriously, I mean, I'm always, none of this stuff I've got figured out, but I'm totally convicted by these principles. But what I'm saying is, is like, man, God's got this. God's with us. These are the truths that we need to embrace as our, our reality, our faith, our confidence, and so that we don't appear like the world. That's what Jesus is saying. Like, We shouldn't, we shouldn't react like someone that doesn't know and love Jesus does. It shouldn't be. Why is the opposite of truth? Worry is the opposite of trusting the Lord. Worry is an indicator to turn to him. Does worry keep us from growing up in the Lord? You ever thought about that? That it is actually, it is the antithesis of, of maturity and sanctification. Like it, it's a catalyst in, 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 in quenching that. Is, and isn't, isn't those moments that we choose worry or anxiety, isn't that where God's testing our faith to strengthen our resolve in him? Does worry keep us from growing up in the Lord? I think think it does. Do we think that Jesus was seeking food or clothing? I mean, my point is, is that Jesus models everything he teaches. In Jesus' life, does it look like he's after food? Does it look like he's after clothing? No, it doesn't even seem to be on his radar. Like... He's, unless he's going, okay, Matthew, we're going to eat at your house today. Okay, uh, we're going to, Zacchaeus, we're coming to eat. But I mean, like, is, in that situation, is he after food there or is he after Zacchaeus' heart and Matthew's discipleship? Like, man, Jesus was seeking to save the lost, and so should we. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So how do we win this fight of faith? Let's make that shift and, and, and answer that question. In verse 31, much like Matthew 6, 33, it says, instead, so here is the antidote, instead seek first, Matthew says, his kingdom and these things, so we have to ask the question, what are these things? What's these things? These things that you worry about and need. That's what these things are, the things. So what might fall in that category for you? And maybe in a consistent basis, this continues to always be the place where you choose anxiety instead of faith. And, and, and what Jesus says, instead, seek first his kingdom and these things that you need and worry about will be added to you. And you know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like a promise from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The King of Kings has said, "You seek me first, and I will add to you everything that you need will be provided." In verse, and to reinforce that, verse thirty-two goes on and says, "Fear not." Can fear be the the catalyst of anxiety and worry? Right. So he so he addresses that and says, "Fear not, little flock." And and whenever you see little flock, what what is what is he really pointing to? The big shepherd. Right? That's what he's saying. Like, you're my little ones. Like, I know I'm taking... Like, I I, I take that seriously. I've got you. Right? Fear not, little flock. It is your... And again, he says this. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the very thing that you should be seeking first. Isn't that what it says? So... Have no fear, because the very thing that I'm asking you to seek, it's my Father's heart and pleasure to give it to you. There's no resistance on His part. This is what He wants to impart to you. He's looking to give you the kingdom. Right? And so, you know, understanding God's disposition and his, His lavish generosity, doesn't that change our approach? Like, we come expecting, right, that He's faithful to His word and His promises. See, your, father's, your father loves you and has given you the kingdom. Our father is generous and keenly aware. Right? He's aware of your needs. He takes pleasure in his care and provision of you. He takes pleasure in that. And then this verse leaps off the page. I mean, like, like it just comes right to mind when you think about this. Listen, listen to what Romans 8.32 says. He did not, he the father did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he, our, our, our father, not also with him, the Lord Jesus Christ, graciously give us what? Do you believe that? That if he's given you Jesus, if he's made that ultimate demonstration, as Romans 5 says, of his very love for you, that he's going to hold off on taking care of your food and your clothes. He's he's good. He loves you. Our treasures, and and I got this from from Wearsby, Like, I thought this was really good. Our treasures and his pleasures must be in harmony. That's what Jesus is saying here. Like, that's where the the abundant life, that's where the narrow path is, is when what we treasure and what brings God pleasure (laughs) Collide. And without what? It's impossible to please God. Right? Everything that God, that, that God is so pleased, even amazed as the centurion did for Jesus by our faith. Whose kingdom gets first place in your priorities? I'm just getting practical here. Whose kingdom, when it comes to making decisions, is it your safety? Is it your Is it your comfort? I mean, what... What drives, what's the priority of your decisions? Is it his kingdom first? And then Jesus gets very practical as we close out this conversation. And it sounds a lot like what Lori read for us earlier in last week's message. Listen, this is what he says. You wanna get practical about this, about, you know, is, are you being rich towards God? Are you, are you not, getting caught up into the trappings of this world that is really causing you anxiety because... Here, and here's the big deal, guys. What, what happens to food after a while? Spoils. What happens to clothing and stuff? Right? Decays. It falls apart. Right? right? And when, when that's what you're seeking after, the very things you, you're seeking after is in constant decay... Does that not cause constant anxiety? Like, you know what I'm saying? But what about if, if the things... I'll let the text speak to this. Listen. Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide for yourself money bags that do not grow old or wear out. This isn't the first time Jesus is saying these things. With a treasure, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail... Guys, do you believe this? Do you believe that there is, there's an eternal investment that can be made in, in, in glory, and we can do that now as we store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where rust and moth are not and, uh, and or there's not a thief to steal. For where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Because that's what he goes on to say here. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A few thoughts. If we treasure things that are in decay and fickle, we worry. Rather, let us seek and treasure the eternal is what Jesus is calling us to. Th- this is the point. Earthly wealth is susceptible to corruption. Eternal wealth is secure. Now, does it take faith to start investing that way? Rather than with Merrill Lynch, does it? and I'm not saying that we shouldn't save we're, we're given that mandate as well, but but our richness should not be should be towards ourselves should be widely overshadowed by our richness towards God. Are you investing in his kingdom or yours well I'm gonna ask the worship team to come and as they're coming, please don't be distracted because I'm gonna give you two texts as we close out our time together. Two texts here, and these two texts come from the first century church. Now, this is right after the uh, Pentecost. This is after the Holy Spirit has fallen on the church. The church is living out uh, the the Christ culture in such a, a beautiful way that people are in fear, and they're drawn in, and there's thousands being added, and the Holy Spirit is moving in powerful ways, but they are practically living out these principles. And I just want to read that as an example to us because Jesus can talk about these principles and we feel like they're sometimes, you know, utopian. But when we see like a Philip that stands there and says, you know, in in the midst of being stoned and he says, you know, Father, hold this sin not against them. You know, we can't use the excuse anymore. Well, that was Jesus. I, you know, or when we look at a group of people filled with the Holy Spirit as we are, you know, you know, doing things sacrificially to the extent of making sure there's no needs, not wants, but needs amongst the body and the brethren. And what does that say to the world about love? Do you know Jesus says these words in his final hours in John? He says, you know how they'll know that I am who I am? By the way you love each other. Wow. Listen to what this says in, in reference to what Jesus just said here in this text. In Acts 2, to 45, and all who believed were together, that means in heart and mind, not just proximity, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Later on, chapter 4, it says, there was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds to, uh, of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. Guys, stand as we as we finish in worship and please know that this time is not meant for just, just adoration and praise and thanksgiving because my goodness, there's plenty of opportunity and, and room for that. But it's also meant for us to not Let this this word, the seed of God's word, fall on a hard heart. Please, please contemplate, pray, ask the Lord to seed your heart with this truth and make immediate application. Do whatever the Holy Spirit is convinced. I promise you it'll hurt, it'll it'll seem, it'll be hard, but I promise you it'll be fruitful. I don't promise you, he does. And, and final thought, having things is not the problem. It's things having you, right? Let's sing.